Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark and I had uh, the good fortune uh, right down the block from our offices to attend the uh, Federal Society's 10th Annual Executive Branch Review, where we talk about uh, various administrative law matters, uh, to tell you the truth. And we also had the uh, our founder, Phil Hamburger, uh, came down and he was in a lunchtime debate. Uh, on these matters. And um, it was it, it was really, uh, I thought, a thought-provoking event. Well, what would you think, Mark? Oh, I thought it was terrific. I thought uh, Philip was in fine form, especially. So even if even if our, our listeners don't have time to, to tune in to uh, the whole conference when the Federalist Society puts that up on its, its website or YouTube channel or wherever it puts it up, I would at least encourage people to tune into that Philip Hamburger, Sally Katzen lunchtime debate moderated by a judge, Naomi Rao of the D.C. Circuit. That's definitely worth tuning in for. Well, I had never seen uh, Professor Katzen before. I thought she I thought she held her own. And I thought I really thought uh, Judge Rao's questions were excellent for this sort of thing. Excellent moderator. Almost like um, she taught administrative law for 10 years before going <laughs> on the D.C. Circuit. <laughs> very, very true. Um, well, it prompted me, Mark, to be thinking about I think a problem that we've seen, but I didn't really, <clears throat> I don't think I, it, I sharpened what the, why, why it's happening and what the problem is. And, and I attended a conference that was very good. Uh, the Biden administration sent a representative from treasury to speak telling what they were doing on ESG. Um, he mainly spoke on treasury, but he did say that it's going to be a government wide move on uh, basically climate change, right? They're, all the agencies have to be addressing it, but particularly the SEC and banks, banks and um, insurance companies that Treasury rec- uh, has uh, some influence over. This is one and of the panels at the conference you're talking about? It was one about? of the panels, and, okay. and uh, they, had, they had two folks who were against this sort of thing, and, and they had a professor from Michigan also. He's, he said he wasn't going to change any minds, but I told him after he changed my mind, I didn't. I had seen some very... Um, apoplectic writings on this. And it, it does strike me that they're, they're doing less. They're doing less than I think they want to be doing. In other words, in other words, if you don't like this stuff, they're not, they haven't yet hit their stride on what they're going to do. They're still uh, trying if, to get the camel's nose under the tent. I think saying? that's right. I think that's where it stands <laughs> now. And, I, and, and, but here's what goes on. And, and I think that when when all these agencies, we, we were just talking about the Consumer Protection Agency, um, but I, I also think of the FDA, almost all of the agencies were created, you know, not the original ones, you know, State Department, stuff like that. They created them because they, they knew they were going to need them and they had just had a war. So maybe that even falls within my thought here. But some problem emerges, some problem, maybe the Industrial Revolution, maybe maybe some problem with urbanization some some problem locomotives are catching 
catching uh, uh, fields on fire across the Midwestern United States, something like that. Exactly. Something like that. Exactly. So some problem that didn't occur before and, and Congress isn't sure what to do about it. And so they, they eventually come around to, to making an agency for that specific problem. Then the nature of the agencies is such that they, they gather to themselves. It's almost like the Federalist Papers for the three branches but I think the administrative agencies are now better at it than the three branches. <laughs> it's they start they start increasing their remit, the, the areas with which their regulation should cover. And they go beyond uh, what that problem was. But just like I was saying in the first segment about how Noah says the fact that they get to count fish lets them do anything else if you fish, that that sort of spread just keeps happening. So now with with the bank regulators and the stock regulators and SEC, well, what's the problem here? The problem here is global warming, and it may be a problem, it may be not, but I don't think it, I don't think it really increases regulatory risk of bank runs. I, I just don't see it. I, I think the links to 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 let's say you take the worst case scenario. Well, the banks and the insurance companies, that's what they do. They will change their rates and change their investment plans. I, I don't think it 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 actually increases their their regulatory risk. So, but because there is a political will to do this, and the EPA is apparently not sufficient. Uh, I guess I guess they feel the EPA isn't sufficient, and certainly the EPA is trying to uh, expand its powers in this area. All of the agencies expand into this area, and now you have financial agencies whose main they got to keep their eye on the ball of not allowing bubbles you know in the market not allowing frauds uh that 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 fool people into investing in things they shouldn't be investing in or or you know so we don't have bank runs all that sort of thing that's their main thing but they're doing something else now and taking away from their prime duty uh, uh i thought you were going to say directive ah uh, <laughs> Well, I'll tell you this: the the prime directive was almost never followed on that show, and <laughs> I, I I think that when they're doing this, they're they're also not following the the prime. I was going to say it's just again. like administrative agencies; <laughs> hardly ever focused on their prime directive. Exactly, they had to. Hi, how do we get out around this? So, I do think, Mark, what do you think? Do you think this is how a lot of these problems are coming up? In that they they have a problem that Congress hasn't hasn't directed an agency to do, but they want to do it anyway. And so they take their eye off their main mission. I, I definitely think that's one of the things that's that's happening. And I think that uh, that when they do this, they tend to create as many problems as they solve. And so they create the justification for expanding their own power. You know, we X was a problem. So we we came up with such and such program to attack X, but gosh, that didn't solve the problem. So now we're going to have to come up with two more programs to deal with both X and the problems that that our failure to solve X created along the way. Yeah, and and so I, I just see across the board this type of thing happening. And you you, I'll give you an example. One thing that came up uh, in, in some of the panels was immigration, right? And some people thought that the Biden administration was not enforcing the immigration laws, but the immigration laws, my view is, is that that that. There's so much stuff in there because Congress hasn't made up its mind what it wants to do that you can always look at one one part of the law and say, well, on this hand, but on the other hand. But no one brought up that, you know, 
the agencies are using uh, Title 42 to keep people out for uh, for COVID reasons when there's no COVID. Nobody in Texas is wearing a mask. So there's there's the other side as well. But that is they are actually doing they are actually doing immigration law, whether they're doing it right or wrong. And people are upset about it. But but what they're doing, uh, either loosening the reins or tightening the reins is uh, directly the administration of immigration. But what the SEC and Treasury and, and when, when they start doing stuff about global warming or about um, equity and inclusion and diversity, they're, they're outside what they're doing. So really, these agencies can do things to, that are bad either way, but, but, but I think it's a bigger problem. It's a bigger problem when they say they can do things they weren't set up to do, and then the courts say, yeah, you can go do that. That's different from this administrative agency is doing a bad thing with the laws it has been assigned to. I think, well, I think it's worse. At a, at a minimum, I think that courts shouldn't defer to agencies that are that are going outside their lane in this way. I mean, we talk about deference doctrines on here a lot, but if 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 an immigration related agency is stopping people at the border and testing them for COVID, that's unquestionably within the statutory scope of what an immigration agency can do. They can keep people out of the country. Uh, they can quarantine people who have infectious diseases. That's that's right. been true for uh, hundreds of years. Uh, what they can't necessarily do is with especially without uh legislation from congress is some of this a dei kind of thing that you're talking about and if they're going in that lane if this if the if the bank regulators for example are doing something like that i'm not sure they should get as much deference for that as they do for the bank regulation that they do that that goes to things like stopping bank runs and so forth uh what do you think about that i mean obviously we're not in in favor of deference in either case but i would think that well, there's no argument for deference in the in the latter case. Well, I think you're right about that because let's face it, I, the the courts don't know how many immigrants should be coming into the country, right? They they don't know that, and they're not. It's that's not their job. And and I will say this: my admission against interest is they don't know how many fish people should be taking either, right? So there are certain administrative tasks that are tasked to an administrative agency for good reasons. For reasons we would say, okay, you get to do that, but that doesn't shouldn't let them do all these other things. And the courts should not say, well, since I don't know how many fish should come in, then they get to take away your Fourth Amendment rights. Or since I don't know exactly how to stabilize the banking system, that they should be able to uh, require you to stop global warming. I mean, the the the, the premise of the first of, of of the first statement doesn't lead to, oh, then you get to do everything on the second statement. That's so. yeah, well put, well put, and and I think I mean kind of circling back to your to your original point. I mean the reason, it, it, if administrative agencies were set up to do this because they're not able to do it through through Congress, again, all the more reason not to defer. The whole root of of justification for deference is supposedly that Congress has given these agencies responsibility over these areas, but they haven't given the banking regulators responsibility over climate change. They haven't given. Uh, the the EPA responsibility over uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and t- to the extent that Congress hasn't acted in these areas, uh, the agency shouldn't be able to freelance. I I agree with that, and and unfortunately, there is an argument coming from the agencies, and I think our general uh, society that well, Congress hasn't acted, therefore we must do this through this other method. 
No, that's not how it works. If if Congress hasn't acted, you probably don't have the power to do it elsewhere because that's the the font of the powers you're saying you have. And if they haven't acted, it's because they haven't given that to you. Well, and then what happens if the administrative agencies don't work? If, I mean, if that's the justification, then I guess you, you can follow that line a long way. Welcome back to Administrative Static. We, we teased this item earlier, and you may not be surprised that John and I want to talk about the leak. And when we say the leak, you know what we're talking about. It's the, the leak of Justice Alito's draft opinion for the U.S. Supreme Court uh, in the Dobbs abortion case that is, uh, that is currently uh, pending uh, at, the, at the Supreme Court. And, and John, there's, there's so much to say about about this. Uh, I've never, no, I did not clerk on the Supreme Court, but I did clerk for a federal judge uh, on a court of appeals. I clerked for Judge Boggs on the Sixth Circuit in in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, the, the court sits in Cincinnati. And I'm just trying to, if I'm just trying to think of the consequences in that lower court, if I had leaked a copy of one of Judge Boggs's draft opinions to somebody before the court announced it, I mean, this professional consequences, first of all, would have been would have been dire. Uh, I can't imagine. I mean, Judge Boggs has been a a, a mentor and and uh, uh, you know, someone who has provided me uh, advice at different points in my career. And I think it's safe to say that if I had breached his trust in that way, that that help would not have been forthcoming at later points. Uh, in my career, I probably wouldn't be invited back to the clerk reunions uh, and so forth. And and you know, I suppose that there are uh, perhaps my firm would not have, if he had made a big enough stink about it. Perhaps my my the firm where I started my career wouldn't have been willing to hire me. Uh, you know, they had important litigation pending in the Sixth Circuit at the time they brought me on board. They would not have been interested in in ticking off one of the judges on that court. I think. Uh, and you just take that up to the next level at the U.S. Supreme Court, and it's it's ten times or a hundred times more sensitive the kinds of things that they're dealing with, and that's why we haven't seen breaches like this before. And I don't know what the motives are of whoever leaked this. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to guess, but it's not hard to tell what the consequences are. One of them is you're really jeopardizing the safety of the justices. I've seen some some left of center columnists suggest that that's being blown out of proportion, that that's not really a possibility. But John, didn't we have somebody kill themselves on the steps of the Supreme Court just a few weeks ago over yeah, climate change? Set, him, just- set, him, set himself on fire. Right. And the, the worst, Mark, there's another thing going on here, which you, you I did, I clerked for a district court judge, but we sat on the third circuit by designation. And um, now, first, the first thing you learn is don't nothing that happens in chambers ever gets told to anybody outside, right? And and so you know, never mind a draft of a, an opinion. 
And there's doesn't no, just stay in Vegas. What happens uh, in Vegas doesn't just stay in Vegas. It stays in the room where it happened in Vegas. Exactly. <laughs> I you know exactly. So so the thing is that that what really I think of all all the things that got hurt and and obviously the justices are in danger. But you know if they issued an opinion like this, they would be in danger eventually anyway. I think because of of the subject matter. But I don't so much care about – for, for us who practice, and I, I want our listeners to understand that the people who practice for the Supreme Court and hang around with Supreme Court clerks and, and, and who, who you know, put briefs in there and go over and listen to the arguments, and it's not, you know, it's not the biggest world in the world, right? It, 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 it's, it's kind of a small world. It's not, it's not more than, than uh, 5,000, you know, 10,000 people, something like that, which is like a small town. And, and – Here's who you've hurt. I assume, let's say this draft is, is uh, you know, had been circulated a lot. I don't think it was. I think it was like a first or second. And um, and people go and say, hey, tone it down or do this or I don't like that case. Or there's there's a reason it circulates. It doesn't come out. It doesn't burst out of the head of a the- of Zeus like Athena, right? What it does is you you listen to your colleagues. And the person this hurts, I think, as an intellectual matter, as a matter of history, uh, is the dissent. I assume the dissent will be written by my favorite Kagan. I assume she is she is she is summoning all her powers to answer something like this, and then then the majority would then um, you know respond to it. Well, this has short circuited that whole process. So if you want to dissent for the ages, if you want this this to change down the line, or you want to you want to put down your marker. You want the best person writing it, and you want them to be have the back and forth in order to make um, that impression. And now that dissent will be somewhat of an afterthought. It will not be – I don't think it will get the attention it deserves, and, and everyone will be looking at the majority and see where it differs from this draft. And what you've done is you have ruined the legal process for uh, – a very tight knit community, a very tight knit community. And if you are conservative, you've hurt your your people. And if you're uh, a liberal, you've hurt your people. There's nobody this helps. Nobody. Well, I assume that that the leaker must have must have thought at least that that they were helping their side uh, of the issue. So, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to speculate. I, I mean, I did see that. I mean, back on the safety issue, I did see that Justice Alito, the the author of this draft opinion, canceled his participation in the Fifth Circuit conference, uh, judicial conference this week, uh, John. And the court didn't say why he was was withdrawing. Maybe maybe he just thought that he would be too much of a distraction or didn't want to get asked a uh, hundred questions about something he couldn't talk about because the you know, the decision hasn't officially issued yet. Uh, but it could also be that there were safety considerations there as to why he chose not to participate now. And and that's that's alarming to me that uh, that someone might that someone with the trust of the court, whether it's a clerk or or whomever else, would do something that would put the the physical safety of their fellow uh, employees at, in jeopardy up there. I think that's that's really alarming uh, to me. I, but there but, is but what do you di- think? I mean, what do you think? the person was thinking like they must've thought that there was a benefit here. So well, what benefit did they think? There so was? I will give you, so there, there's the, there's the one that there's the, I'll just give you the four theories circulating right now that I, and you can add a fifth if you think there is one, but the, the one is that one of the majority was going wobbly. So somebody who wanted that outcome leaked it so that they couldn't 
change their vote, right? So that's one. The other is that the the minority who was losing this uh, big case uh, wanted there to be huge political pressure uh, and 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 to stop it from being the main opinion, and so they leaked it for that reason. Then there's the uh, the 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 I, the other one I heard is that in order to take away the power of it when it comes out in June, um, and then and then finally, um, uh, so there's to hold the feet. That there's the uh, to make to make the majority wobbly in general. So you know, it, there's lots of motives, but none of them really work because once you've released something, once you've done a thing like this that hasn't been done for 150 years, and 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 um, you you know, there is one part of the danger that I thought about, and and Alito's no not a shy guy. He was a U.S. attorney prosecuting mobsters, right? I was in Newark with him. I, I remember uh, he 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 was the U.S. attorney for Newark where you prosecute people who are um, not averse to violence. Let's put it that way. Um, and, 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 and I just, I just think that. So you don't uh, think he's going to be intimidated by a clerk releasing I, an opinion. I, it sounds I, like. I don't, but I do think this, I think that once they could release these opinions and go home or go wherever they want, they've got a lot of work to do and they have to be around to do it. So this is not this thing where you can go off and give lectures in France or something like this. You got to be here and, and you can't, you, you know, you, there is that they're, they're right. more active now than they are in the summertime when this, I assume this would be released. Right. Timbers so that, usually would have time to cool before that the, the is correct. Would and, be back in town. And they would have a, a better ability to be places where um, people who might do them harm or not. So you, you're that I had not thought about that aspect till you brought it up, but I, I am, um, I, I really think the, the harm on this, you know, I, what I always think is Bush v. Gore didn't leak. Bush v. Gore, that, that created temperature over there at the Supreme Court, uh, a white hot heat uh, between the justices, between everything. It was it was unbelievable and it was fast and yet it didn't leak. So I, I do have this speculation and it's unkind to young people. But I wonder if the what we've seen in the law schools and the 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 sort of uh, I know best and you can't talk views that we've seen coming out of the law schools lately hasn't even affected the clerks over there. I, yeah, I'm that, just worried that sort about of the that. hero worship of the whistleblower, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and because you're in the right, because you're obviously in the right, right. Uh, you, you could do no wrong there. You don't, the rules don't apply to you. Right. Process doesn't matter. It's all about power and outcomes. That's yeah. that. That's I, the, I'm, I'm concerned, but that is all speculation. I, I don't really want to speculate about it. I, I've repeated sort of what the, what the theories I've heard are, but you know what? The world is crazier and, and weirder than, than we can ever imagine. So, you know, for all I, I mean, it, it, it would really step on all of us if this happened because of like, you know, some disappointed love triangle or something. You never know. You never know what. what oh, look, it could be somebody's roommate. It could be somebody's <laughs> yeah. spouse or it could be someone's sibling who they entrusted the information uh, to. Uh, obviously, it comes back to whoever. Right. Uh, if if you share a secret and the secret's out, it's on you for sharing it. Right. I mean, that's right. that's oh, not... could be carelessness. Could be could be could be negligence. Uh, yeah, it could be somebody left something in the wrong spot, and that, that's negligence. But it's not like there was some huge plan to to change the vote. You know, seems unlikely that that someone would just happen to be negligent on the most contentious case of the term, though. I mean, it that, seems like you'd be more careful with this one, not less careful with this one. I think uh, you're correct about that. But I I do think I hope the, you know what 
You know what question comes up that I don't think anyone knows unless there's somebody who has a very odd specialty? What does the marshal of the court have? What are his powers? John Roberts issued a thing, <laughs> and he said, we're going to have the marshal of the court get on this. And I'm like, there was a famous tweet that someone said the marshal of the court is going to arrest everybody. This was during a, a Kavanaugh thing, and it was completely ridiculous. And, and it ascribed powers to the marshal of the court that nobody could possibly have. But that's what I was thinking. I was like, what's he going to do? What does he have? What, what can he do? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but I think they'll probably get the FBI involved as well. Do you think they're going to find the leaker? Um, I don't. I disagree. I don't know that they'll get the FBI involved because I don't think Roberts wants the executive going through the court stuff. I, I, I'm, I, I will wonder if the FBI gets involved because I'm not even sure yet of the crime. I've seen stuff bandied around, but uh, and no, I, I do not think they'll find the leaker. Oh wow! All right. Well, I'll have to. We'll leave it there. But I disagree with you. I think the leaker will. Well, how? Just as they figured out who Anonymous was eventually, I think they'll figure out uh, who leaked this eventually. There's probably more breadcrumbs than we know. But uh, thank you for listening to Administrative Static. Until next time. <laughs>